Hey there, thank you for tuning in to the One Organized Mama podcast. My name is Janelle and I am One Organized Mama. In this episode, I'm going to be giving you some tips on how to adapt the four steps of organization that I teach to you that I also taught to my clients as a professional organizer over the years. But before we begin, I thought we should start out by just sort of taking an inventory of our different parenting styles. And the reason why is because I think it's important for us as parents to sort of take a step back a little bit and and see ourselves through our children's eyes on how we parent. And this and you may be asking like what does this have to do with organization? It has a lot to do. I've worked with countless families over the years in their homes. And I saw every extreme that there possibly could be out there when it comes to parenting, which which led to organization. So for instance, some of the examples were the children that just had so much stuff. So we would be called into these homes where some of the children, like there was one house in particular where there was one child, an only child, and she had a bedroom plus two playrooms. And they were large, large size. Um, also, parents of teenagers where they would say, help, come, I need you to organize my teenager's wardrobe. And you would go in there and there was just an abundance of clothing. There were clothing items that still had tags on it. And a lot of times I think the parents would sometimes sort of blame the children. And maybe we all do that to a certain extent. Like, why isn't your room clean? Why aren't you getting it together? But again, I think it's important for us just to kind of take a step back, at least try to, sometimes easier said than done. And just, again, take a look at us and what are we teaching our children? What are we, what what values, what Sometimes even um, issues are we placing on our children when it comes to some of these topics. Now, this uh, this I have no intention of shaming or criticizing anybody. Goodness knows I'm far, far, far from being an ideal or perfect parent in any way, shape, or form. But I have had to learn over the years. And again, my intention with this is just to have you just stop for a moment, maybe assess where your motivations are coming from as a parent? How were you raised? What were you taught as a child? And how are you passing down some of those things to your own children? So for instance, let's talk about some of the extreme type of of things that sometimes I've seen parents do over the years as a professional organizer. One of them that was actually quite common. So again, This isn't about like criticizing or shaming anybody. A lot of these things are quite common. But that would be the the adults who were raised in a very regimented home. So one client in particular comes to mind and she was raised where everything had to be in order and everything had to be perfect. Now, to be fair, she did actually didn't have children in the home at the time when I worked with her. But there was a lot of family drama and chaos. And so her almost remedy to the what she was taught as a child was to go into the opposite and extreme direction where she she didn't want to clean. Her home tended to be quite messy. 
Um, she was trying to obviously get on top of that at the time that she hired us. And we made a lot of headway with her when it came to that. But a lot of that stuff came out during our sessions working with her about how much she just resented a super orderly home because it was triggering her word to a lot of the stuff that she experienced as a child. Now, I've also seen people who were raised in a similar environment pass down those exact things to their children, and they were noticing that their children were already starting to rebel as children. So perhaps you walked into a home that was beautifully organized, extremely tidy, and then you, we would walk, be walked into the children's spaces, and they were pretty, um, pretty messy, basically. And so a lot of times the parents were kind of like, you know, in a panic almost, like, please help my child get their space in the room up to the household standards. I mean, and again, I'm I'm trying to describe this without like shaming anybody because let's face it, it is hard to be a parent. And I've been a parent for a very long time. And it's hard. It's hard when these little um, beautiful humans come into our lives and it is our sole responsibility to guide them. It's a lot of pressure and it's tough and it's you know, filled with a lot of different emotions. So, you know, uh, sometimes again, we would be hired to help the child. And, but then I found that we would almost become this intermediary between the child and the parent. And we were there to try to find some kind of a compromise. So again, I know those are the extremes. Um, Most people aren't in those extremes. But I will say this again, it's actually pretty common to encounter some of these. There's also the other extreme where somebody was raised in a home where there was a lot of chaos, maybe a lot of mess, a lot of clutter. And again, they went to the the extreme to be super tidy. I probably personally fall a little bit more into this category. Um, And it's not it doesn't have to do with my parents per se, because I'll, just being honest, we were actually quite poor. So we just didn't have a lot of stuff. But I, my grandfather, bless his heart, on my father's side, grew up during the Depression era. And that man kept everything, everything, absolutely everything. I remember a time walking into their home where they had three television sets. Now, I'm Gen X, so I grew up in the era where the TVs when we were kids were much bigger. And so if a TV stopped working, my grandfather did not discard it. He just bought another one and placed it on top. And at one point, there were three. There were two that were not working and only one that was. And so that probably had a bit of an imprint on me as a child and then as I grew up. So you know, we're shaped by a lot of the experiences in, as a, as children. And again, just something for us just to be aware of, of again, what we're passing down to our own children. <clears throat> so um, I decided to go through, and first I'm going to talk about the four steps as they are. Step one is to declutter and sort. Step two, create a zone. Step three, label and contain. And step four, teach and maintain. So when I'm talking to adults, 
I'm really kind of going through the four steps. I really want clients, I want listeners to really understand the four steps. I, yes, I did not reinvent the wheels. Some every time I've I've talked about this in the past, someone will be like, "Oh, that sounds really similar to so and so, who's also a pro- professional organizer." You're right. You're absolutely right, and their steps sound a lot like mine as well. It's because organization is a process, and so. I put these four steps down onto paper at the time where I had a team of professional organizers and we were working in multiple homes. That way it was a way to communicate what we were doing, keeping our team on track and also communicating to our clients what our process was. So, excuse me, my goodness, one of the steps, so I'm going to go through the steps real quick and just talk each about them a little bit and that way You guys can get familiar with them if you're not already. And then again, how to adapt these when working with children. So I have some tips that I used as a professional organizer over the years, and I've also used with my own children. So step one, declutter and sort. So this has to get done, period. You have to declutter your home if you want to have it be organized, if you want to maintain organization. Regular decluttering has to happen. Most, if not all of us, have a limited amount of space in our homes. We have a limited amount of space in our dresser drawers, in our pantries, in our closets. So think about it. We're still bringing stuff into our homes, which is part of life. There's nothing wrong with that. We're allowed to shop. Um, But if we just continuously bring things in and things aren't going out, then we get maxed out, right? So decluttering is just that process of taking things out. Now, I have sorting as part of this because a lot of people are like, I don't, how do you declutter? And it seems like we should all know that, right? Well, you do it through a process of sorting. And sorting is simply, as you go through a space, you're going to either keep the item so it stays, you're going to perhaps throw it out as trash, perhaps you're going to shred it, sell it, donate it, recycle it. So you're just creating these piles or zones when you're going through taking the item out and then placing them in a zone. Now, I always emphasize those sorting zones get dealt with immediately. Keep items you're putting back in the home, you're creating a home where it belongs. It doesn't have to be permanent. We don't, we don't stress about that. We don't overthink that. We just keep it, keep it in a place where we're likely to use it or group it with other like items. We're immediately taking out the trash, the donate items, the recycle, where if we have items to shred, can I just say real quick about shredding? This is a generational thing. Younger generations generally are like, what's a shredder? But the older generations are like, we shred everything. So um, if you're in the shred generation, you're going to shred immediately. I had a sell in there and I always, always caution about selling items because let's face it. I mean, I know some people out there are like, they're like, they have like pretty much a business when it comes to selling stuff like on Facebook Marketplace or Etsy, or I don't even know. I'm not a seller just because I feel like it takes up a lot of my time and I hate the back and forth. Hate it with people. 
It nothing irritates me more when someone says, "Oh, we'll be there at three o'clock to pick it up," and then they no show. It absolutely annoys me beyond anything. So to me, selling a lot of selling is a time waster. So I just suggest, unless you're really dialed in and you really want to invest a lot of time into making pennies on the dollar for something, just donate it. There are so many wonderful charities and organizations in every community out there. So just donate it. Um, Sometimes people are so happy to get the items that you no longer need, want, or use. So you can bring joy to somebody. All right. So number two is creating a zone. This is called a lot of different things in the world of professional organizing. Space planning is a big one. Um, I There's always like some kind of trendy thing this is. But a zone is, think of a grocery store. When you walk into a grocery store and you need your items on your list, you know exactly where to go. If you need something from the dairy section, you know where dairy is. Produce, you know where, how, where that is. And frozen foods, you know how, or you know how to access and go to the frozen food section. So a grocery store is set up in zones. Generally speaking, our homes are too. And so it's just really kind of building upon that. So again, when you take those keep items and you're like, ah, I, I don't know, I know I need this, I want it, I wear it, I use it, whatever, but I don't know where to put it. Let's just create a home. And again, it doesn't have to be a permanent home, even in your grocery store, as annoying as it can be, sometimes they switch things around, they change things around. So even in a grocery store, not everything is always permanent. So have the same when it comes to your home. Where do you use that item? Who does that item belong to? Put it in their their, uh, room. How do you use the item? What are similar items that you could store that next to? Just create a home for every item in your home so you know where to put stuff away. All right, number three, labeling contain. Now, I'm gonna, you guys are gonna be like totally call me out on this one, but I'm gonna go out and be a little bit of a, of a, not a hypocrite, what is the word I'm trying to think of? But I'm gonna contradict myself a little bit on this one because I have a different take when it comes to kids on this. So just stick with me and you'll see what I'm saying. But generally speaking, I stand on my organizing pulpit and preach that this is not step number one, people. Everyone thinks I'm going to get organized. They run to their favorite organization product store, purchase a bunch of bins and cute little labels and label makers, spend a lot of money and then come home And yeah, maybe they get started, but a lot of times those bins and those pretty labels get just added in part of the the clutter. And that's because steps one and two weren't done first. So step three, buying those containers, buying those labels. Yes, it's important. It's an important step, but it's the third step for a reason. Now, step number four, This is simply how you stay organized, teach and maintain. So I talk a lot on this podcast about the different techniques and habits that I want you to implement into your life to maintain organization, 20 minute tidy, timer technique, um, an annual decluttering, going through each room of your house once a month and decluttering stuff. 
Um, so, and, and again, these are all part of the things that I talk about on a regular basis, but this is how you stay organized. Again, going back to step number one, declutter, you have to get rid of stuff in order to maintain organization in your home. Again, we have finite spaces. We have limited spaces. We see, we've seen those television shows when people don't get rid of stuff. And so, uh, this is always a topic that I'm with decluttering. I'm super passionate about, so I'll, I can dive in at an other episode. So if you ever have a specific topic that you guys want me to talk about or dive in a little deeper, shoot me an email, oneorganizedmom at gmail.com. But if you are a member of the One Organized Mama listeners, for we have a dedicated Facebook page, post in there. And that you guys are my priority. That's where I will draw a lot of my topics, my um, podcast guests from, all of that from the Facebook group. But teaching and maintaining doesn't just apply to yourself. It also applies to the rest of your family and especially your children. So we want our kids to, to incorporate these good habits. Um, not every child does. I have three children, two are... Um, little birdies that are out on their own. And one, (laughs) I'm not going to call them out. One does a really good job. The other one, not so much. And it just happens that way. I love them all the same. All right. So let's take these four steps and apply them to children. So what are some tips? Number one, I am a big believer in letting kids have some autonomy, but within reason. I'm not and until they become like really kind of older teen, I'm actually okay with them kind of keeping their rooms how they want. Like my husband and I are pretty lenient when it comes to this. We want our children to feel certainly comfortable in their rooms. We want it to be their own space. Um, we have, I mean, we have pretty simple rules, like no food, no garbage, Um and no kitchen utensils or stuff. Like, what is the deal with like finding a random spoon with some dried gunk on it sitting on their on their dresser? I mean, like, we're like, come on, guys, we're not that tough. Like, don't you know? Take if you eat something, don't leave the spoon in the bedroom. Put it in the kitchen. And generally speaking, my husband's actually really big on this one. No food in the bedrooms generally because again, stuff like that happens. But for the most part, I am a big believer in letting kids kind of like have that space on their own. Um, Let them know that this is a home that you provide for them, that you have kind of the last say in things, the ultimate say, but that they have some autonomy when it comes to their space. They have a guideline that they have to follow, but that they can use those guidelines and create their own unique or creative space. And so even if you have children who share bedrooms, that's something that's super common. I certainly shared a bedroom with um, uh, a sibling through a big chunk of my childhood. Divide the space and divide the space in a way where, again, each child can express themselves and feel like they have a little control over, over their little niche in the world. But again, within reason. All right. Um, I'm also a big believer, and you guys have heard me, kids need to have chores. Um, I'm always kind of shocked. And I've always been shocked throughout my adult life 
when I've encountered families where children don't have chores whatsoever. And I will say this, my children have been very, very blessed to grow up in the family that they grew up in. They, throughout the years, I've hired people to help me in my home from time to time, but I have no problem shutting off my kids' rooms. And if they have to, in order for the person who's helping us in our home, so if I've hired someone to help us clean our home and my children haven't met certain metrics, their room is off limits. They are they are required to keep their room, their spaces cleanly, clean, why am I saying cleanly, clean in order for um, whoever's helping me around the house, because I always emphasize that they're helping me, they don't work for you. And so generally speaking, when, when whenever I've hired somebody to help me in the house, they always ask, um, do, do we clean this bedroom or bathroom? And so it's either a yes or a no, depending on how my kids have kept up their own space. And again, this is not for my children. This is for me. But that is a privilege that my children have lived with, certainly. And also, that being said, my children still have daily chores throughout the house. I mean, a house gets messy in the blink of an eye, let's face it. Even a tidy home, even an organized home, it there's constantly stuff we have to keep up with. So my children do have responsibilities that they have to take care of on a daily and weekly basis. Let's talk about this fun little thing I learned. I once worked for a family that had 13 children. And um, really fascinating. I, uh, It's funny, I, I worked with them when the Dr. Phil show called me. So this was back and this is one of those like pinch me moments. I got a call back in November of 2018 from the Dr. Phil show. And so they were like, hey, we have this family in Las Vegas. It's a family of 12 children, 13 on the way. And would you like to work with them? And we'll give you a shout out on the Dr. Phil show. And I was like, uh, yes. And it was funny because originally, this is a little embarrassing secret I'm going to share with you guys. I thought it meant I got to go on the Dr. Phil show. Oh, no, no. It was just, I would, they didn't even film or anything. So it was just almost like a, um, uh, a help that the, the Dr. Phil show was looking for. So even though the business got a shout out, um, I did not get to go on the Dr. Phil show, but it was really, really cool to sit on the couch with my husband. And I'm not going to lie, at the end of the episode, when Dr. Phil flashed up the One Organized Mama logo, and he kind of said the name of the business with a little bit of a, like, this is a funny name, a little bit of a chuckle, I started crying like a baby. But anyway... I met this family, amazing family, um, learned so much from this family. As I will say, I've learned from a lot of large families um, over the years. A lot of families, and I would call a large family five or more children, and I've worked with certainly large families over the years as a professional organizer. This was the largest family that I had worked with. And so it was definitely a privilege to work with this amazing family, and I learned so much. One of the things that I learned and absolutely loved, and if I could turn back time and redo (laughs) my children's childhood, I would have incorporated this into how how I 
assign chores and it's called jurisdictions. They assign their children jurisdictions throughout the family. And it is the neatest thing ever. So depending on the child's age, each child has its own area of the home that they are responsible for. And I know when you have 12 children, you, this may be a little bit easier to do on some on some level. Right now, we only have one kid, but I will say it, our house doesn't get as messy as it did when I had all three kids under one roof. So assigning each person in the family sort of their area which is their responsibility to keep clean throughout the day. My husband and I kind of do this naturally anyway. I'm sort of the daytime, the one who does dishes if they're sitting there in the daytime. And he does like the nighttime before bed, after dinner dishes, like loading the dishwasher, wiping everything down. So we sort of like automatically without speaking, we just automatically do certain things. He handles the trash. I handle the organization, the grocery shopping, we just kind of have our little areas that we assign or we actually, we don't assign it, but you know what I'm saying? We just automatically do. Well, the same can be applied for children. So in this family, one of the ones that really stuck out to me is like, if you were like the eight or nine-year-old, you were responsible for the trash throughout the house. Like trash duty was your duty. And the funniest part about this is that the mom told me sometimes kids will have a jurisdiction. And even though they're kind of aging out of it, they'll ask their parents, hey, even though I turned 10, can I still keep trash duty? So the kids start to learn that they have certain chores that they actually really enjoy doing. They like doing. I think that's awesome. My daughter, when she was, oh gosh, eight, seven, eight, I think, I actually have a photo of her and her favorite thing is cleaning was cleaning bathrooms. So actually I have the photo on my phone of her when she was like eight years old and she has like the yellow cleaning gloves on and she's scrubbing a toilet and she's like the happiest smile on her face. And I was like, amen, sister, if that is the job that you want, amen. And my daughter actually grew up. And so as a teenager, she loved it. If we all left the house and she could turn on her podcasts or her music and she would just go in and she would do some deep cleaning of bathrooms and that kind of thing. Amen, sister. I mean, I let me tell you, I do miss having her around for many reasons, but that is one of them. So again, having your children find sort of the joy and the pleasure because there is, I mean, we all have jobs where we feel very satisfied. We we take pride in our work. I think that is a, such a wonderful, wonderful thing to teach children and something that I certainly learned from this amazing family of 13 and was just so incredibly impressed by them and how they incorporated jurisdictions into their families. All right. The other thing that I'm going to talk about um, when it comes to kids is let them have some creativity. Generally speaking, I think kids, most kids have some level of creativity. Now, I'm not talking about everyone's into crafting or anything, but like my boys were not like painters, drawers, you know, colorers, but they were into Legos. Both of my boys were massive Lego builders. So even though they, like my youngest, so funny in kindergarten, I remember getting a lot of flack from the teacher who did a lot of creative projects. 
and my son just was like not into it. So one time they, I got home a um, brown paper bag puppet with just like one pom-pom glued in the middle. And that was it. He was done. He wasn't into making a puppet for a puppet show. Wasn't his game. He was like, not my thing. But you get that kid around a Lego set and you don't hear him or see him for hours. I mean, that kid is like super duper into Legos and super creative and will literally build like a city of Legos. It's incredible. So again, not every kid is creative in the same way, just like every adult is not creative in the same way, but let them express their creativity how they see fit. Let them kind of express themselves a little bit when it comes to that. And so this can be applied to steps two for create a zone. So for instance, I know, and can I just say real quick side note, I sometimes feel sorry for the children who are growing up, our kids that are like growing up in the day and age of social media and YouTube and all of this, because especially the ones where in Pinterest and all of that, where they are living like they have to have the reading nook in their room and they have to have the really perfectly pointed, you know, storage bins with the really cute labels. And I just think that that kind of does them a disservice. It's almost like they have to live in this very kind of sterile environment. And part of being a kid is just kind of having fun and using your imagination and creating this really kind of cool world for yourself. I mean, we all at one point had these incredible imaginations and, you know, had fun playing and all of that. And I think the same should be applied to creating the zones for the kids. And so when you are guiding your children on cleaning the room, organizing the room or their play space, ask them, ask them about their toys. I am not someone that automatically knows what every toy my child has, but army men, for, for instance, my, my youngest is a big army men fan. And so I've sat there trying to help him like, hey, you have 8 million army men, dude. Like, how many armies do you need? Are we like overtaking the world or something? And he's like, he was very serious. He's like, no, no, these are the bad guy army men. And these are the good guy army men. They look exactly the same to me. Doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But guess what? It's not meant to make sense to me. It's not supposed to. So allowing him to sort of organize by like the good guys versus the bad guys and letting him put the good guys in one bin and the bad guys in another makes sense to him. So again, letting them kind of have their own creative outlet. My daughter was somebody who had (laughs) to plaster every square inch of her bedroom wall with something. I mean, movie posters, old family photos, records like the vinyl records, um, you name it. I I was actually nervous when we were going to sell that house because I was like, what is she hiding behind this? She also had a mirrored um, closet door and had the the markers. So every single time one of her friends came in or they had to write a message or draw something, something artful on the glass or so literally it was a little hard for me to walk into. It was a little overwhelming, but also 
when I could step back and be like, get out of my own like OCD way. And I was like, wow, I see what's important to her. I see what she values. And one of the most precious things was the wall of old family photos. She had collected a lot of family photos of like when my mom was a teenager and she just adored these photos and went through and displayed them, displayed them because she was super proud of that. And I just thought that was really precious. So even though I hated like the scary movie posters, she was into like scary movies. I hated that. I could kind of turn my back on that and just focus on some of the areas that I thought were cool. Even some of the the messages and stuff, her friends and and her cousins wrote to each other on her mirrored glass um, closet door. I thought, you know, that's pretty funny. That's a cool like memory from her childhood. So even though it's not going to make sense to you, you might not like it. You wouldn't do it that way. It's actually okay to let your kids kind of have their creativity and do it their own way. And I tell you, they will appreciate this for you and or they will appreciate you for this because I mean, let's face it, nobody wants to be completely controlled in their life. Nobody wants to be completely have every aspect of their life dictated to. Certainly we don't. And I know it's not going to be something that perhaps you can put on Pinterest or brag about on Instagram or anything. But you know what? There is a beauty in it and just letting your children just be who they are and express that freely. It's actually a lot of fun to, to witness as a parent. All right. So um, also I wanted to talk about sorting. So I know the actual process of getting them to organize can be a little daunting, a little, oh, I'm going to pull my hair out. They're driving me nuts. But I'm going to just say, encourage you to actually go. This is one of the times where I'm like, yes, go run to your favorite organizing store. Take your kids with you for heaven's sake. Let them pick out the color or the type or style of bin that they like, that they want to store in their room. Let them have a say in this. Again, I know, maybe it doesn't match the rest of the decor in your home. It's okay. You will survive. And let them choose. Choose what bins, what color bins, what type of bins that they want and buy buy a bunch of them, I will say, or buy as many as you can. Um, And you don't have to buy everything brand new too. Be on the lookout at secondhand stores. I mean, I know bins can get very expensive. Get creative. Take them to Goodwill. Take them to some of the secondhand stores and go scavenging for for bins and, and cool containers to keep stuff in. That's absolutely appropriate. I just don't, I, I that's not my thing personally, just because it's a little bit more time consuming. But if you have the time, my friend, awesome, go do it. So take them, have them choose a bins, and then one small space at a time. In my head, I'm thinking of my son's Lego table. Lego table, we bought him when he was four years old. He is now 12. That thing has been overrun with clutter since we've moved into our new home. So what I've been doing now that he is... (laughs) has a broken leg and can't run too far from me. I actually take him a several bins and I have a trash, a donate and a keep bin. So I'll bring him a pile of stuff and I'm like, if it's trash, it goes in here. If it's uh, donate here and if it's keep, put it in here. So use bins for the sorting. That actually is a, a really great way. And then again, with the keep, 
find a home, create a home, teach them to create a space in their own room or their playroom or whatever you're working on for these specific items. But again, bins are really easy because they can kind of go through the the stuff and sort and throw the trash in here. And then again, of course, when you're done, toss the trash, but keep it pretty simple for them. Keep it, don't overwhelm them with too much. Don't, I make this mistake all the time where I'm like, go clean your room. And I have to actually remember to pull back and be like, dude, can you just make your bed, straighten up your closet, and then just throw away, go through this stuff and throw away any trash, you know, or hang up your clothes. So I'll give them like a few things. I know I'm giving a lot right now, but if sometimes you have to kind of go in there, be a little bit specific, absolutely okay to do when it comes to teaching them how to organize. All right. And on the the note of bins, when it comes to labels, let them label their own bins. I mean, if you have to be um, super into this and do it yourself, at least let them come up with the names. Let them come up with the names. So at, when I, going back to the army guys, I had bad army guys and good army guys. That's what the, the labels were. I wrote them. It made sense to him. And so as he was playing with those army guys, he knew who the bad guys were and who the good guys were, even though they were all literally the same (laughs) color to me, (laughs) but it made sense to him. So when it came time to tidying up, he knew exactly where to go. And yeah, sometimes he would kind of drag his feet and start playing. That happens again. They're children. They have imaginations. Don't get so hard on them for that kind of stuff. But, and my last tip when they are dragging their feet, I am telling you 20 minutes for children, a 20 minute tidy where they are collectively helping the rest of the family members at a specific time of day, put everything away. So I'm not just talking about their bedrooms when I do a 20 minute tidy. I'm talking about the rest of the house, the kitchen, the family spaces, the shared spaces. Everyone go put your backpack where it belongs, put your shoes away, Make sure car keys are where they need to be, tidy up the kitchen, fluff the pillows, whatever you need to do. Everyone collectively tidy up their home in 20 minutes. But when it does come to their rooms, get your timer to 20 minutes and have some fun with it. I will tell you, kids really do kind of dig this and you make it a race. Make it something super fun. And no, you don't have to give a prize at the end. Um it's their job to keep their home clean. So kind of go through and just say, hey, 20 minute timer, I'm going to see how much of this you can put away in 20 minutes. And as long as the floor is clear, most of us as parents are cool with that, right? I mean, we don't have to go in and micromanage. Will you put the wrong things in the wrong bins? Sometimes just putting stuff away is good enough. Again, we're not looking for perfection when it comes to this. But I really, I encourage you to try these techniques because it's something that really does really um, resonate with kids and they actually quite find quite fun. So I hope some of these tips helped you when it came, when it comes to organizing for your children. I hope you're kind of like just realizing that this life raising children, it's, it can be messy. It's supposed to be messy. Um, stay off social media if you're feeling like a lot of parenting guilt or parenting shame, 
on on how your home is, how your children are. I'm telling you, don't look at it, don't read it, don't watch it. Just focus on your own little nest and you're doing a great job out there. I'm here to tell you, you really, really, really are. It's hard. It's tough. I'm, you're coming, this is coming from someone who's been a parent for a very long time, but I want you to enjoy also your children's childhood, but again, teaching them responsibilities because like I said at the beginning of this, one day they eventually grow up and become adults and we want them to be productive members of society. So I really appreciate you guys listening. I encourage you, you guys, click on the Buy Me a Coffee link just to check it out. Um, I've been posting in there some of the printables and things that I have over in the, the Facebook member group. You can just um, you can uh, just follow it. Um, it doesn't hurt. So what happens if you become a follower is anytime I've uploaded anything in the Facebook group, I have that just emailed out so you guys can take a look and see. Um, I do have the 20 minute tidy on there. I think I just uploaded that this past week. It's a cute little printable, super fun, but it's available to those of you in the Facebook member group. And if you're not familiar with that, that's a community that I am actively working on on growing. I It's funny right now, it's like microscopic, but I have some people that I'm doing some one-on-one coaching with and I'm trying to cross them over into that and grow that community. I would love to have small business owners in there. I would love to grow a platform where you can have these conversations about parenting, about organization, productivity, time management, sharing small business tips. I would love for everyone to be able to add to that conversation And one last thing, I have received um, quite a few emails recently. I think it's because I've been doing more frequent episodes. So I've had some requests from people who want to be guests on the podcast. Super flattering, guys. I thank you. Thank you so much. But I have to be honest. I pretty much have made a commitment at this moment to only pull from my membership community. I want it to be a benefit of something in my members because I know a lot of you have sent me some beautiful emails and you have a lot to share. Well, jump in my membership community. It's nine bucks a month. Start sharing there. And if I really feel like your message is something that would resonate with the rest of of my listeners, by all means, yes, I will have you as a guest on the One Organized Mama podcast. But I really, again, I just want to make sure that it is something um, that is going to be important to my listeners. So uh, again, follow me on Buy Me a Coffee. You can just click on the link, follow, get some updates. If you're like, I don't know about maybe this membership group, it's nine bucks a month. There's no commitment. You can join for one month. If you decide it's not for you, you can always get out, but I hope to grow. So if you guys have any questions about anything, you can email me at oneorganizedmama at gmail.com and hope to uh, see you guys all next time and I hope everyone's doing well out there.